Hey everyone, and welcome to the Detoxicity Podcast. My name is Mike Joseph, and I host and produce this show that you're listening to. The goal of this podcast, or I should say the primary goal, a goal is to promote healthy masculinity through the sharing of life experiences. I hope that you and yours are safe and healthy, and I, of course, also hope that you're enjoying what you're hearing. Hopefully, you'll rate, comment, and subscribe via whichever platform you're using to listen. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or you would like to submit a guest or be a guest yourself, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I am on Instagram at DetoxPodGuy, and I'm also on Twitter at TizMikeJoseph. You can also email me at DetoxPod at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. So, I have a backlog of episodes that I haven't published yet for a variety of reasons. Some of them are kind of off topic or all over the place, some of them just kind of timed out, and some were just kind of awkward. This is an episode that I held on to for a long time, and now that I've listened back to it, I'm wondering why I held on to it for so long in the first place. Manny Humley is one third of the band We Three, whose big claim to fame was a stint on America's Got Talent a few years ago. Uh, he's out on the West Coast in Oregon. Uh, in the years since America's Got Talent, We Three have become a major recording and touring act pre-COVID, of course. And Manny and I, in our conversation, discuss his sheltered upbringing, which uh, involved being homeschooled for most of his life. We also talk about the role religion and music played in his upbringing, what drives him to learn more about the world he lives in, the pain of losing a parent, and what it's like to get married at a young age. This was a great conversation, and it's not often that I get thanks for tossing ideas back and forth with a guest. So check out Manny, Manny, check out me learning how to say somebody's name properly. Check out Manny Humley's story. Well, hi, I'm Manny Humley, and I'm from a small town in McMinnville, Oregon, about like an hour south of Portland. I'm a singer-songwriter, musician that's in a band, in a band with my siblings, which is kind of unique. And uh, I write a lot of music, travel a lot, play all over the world. Well, hoping to, once this pandemic <laughs> once stops. Once this is over, yeah. <laughs> Get back over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's me. Cool. And so... For reference, how small was your small town? It was growing up. It's expanded a little bit more now, but it was about 30,000, no, 25,000 people growing up. All right. So, yeah, pretty small. It's Uh, pretty small. And what was that? I like, I grew up in Brooklyn. So, my experience is significantly different than yours. What was it like growing up in, in a small town? You know, there are good and bad parts. Growing up, I felt like I liked it a lot more because it, it, it was a town that really everybody was in everybody's business because it was so small. It was a very loving town for sure, but people were just everything that happened, whether it was, you know, you, you, you did something that was disobedient to your parents or whatever, everybody in the town knew about it and oh news traveled fast everywhere because there's also, I had a big family in the area. And so it just, it was everywhere as it would go. And so there were moments growing up that I felt like I did really enjoy it because I felt like I was catering. My personality was catering to that because I, that's one thing that I really do. I mean, it's something that I continue to work on is my personality changes depending on what I think is going to impress people. And so growing up, I was totally cool with that small town and I loved it. But as I got older, I think I realized there were a lot of toxic things there and having everybody in every aspect of your life, no matter who you are, is not going to end up being a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some people value privacy more than others, but I feel like you got to at least have like a little bit of privacy to kind of 
be an individual. Like you totally. can't share one hundred percent of yourself with everybody around. No, and I think I think I was being raised to stay in this town, like and really just continue what my family had built there. And I think that's what I was actually being raised to do is just be the the good Christian kid who continued the legacy of what was already there in our family. Because our family was fairly big in the community growing up. My dad just, he he's a very, he's a visionary. And he really just reached out and made a lot of connections with people very quickly. And so we had a fairly big name in the community. And then obviously it expanded as, you know, our notoriety as a band kept going. But yeah, it was it was really interesting. It was, there were really great parts of it because there were really, really supportive people who gave us a lot of opportunities. And so I don't want to dog anybody, but I think as I got older, I learned my personality really probably would have been able to express myself more and been healthier if I would have been in a bigger city and just had more privacy and been able to express myself better, you know? What was your... Like, what was the, the point or what was the incident or a series of incidents that got you to a point where you were like, okay, I got to get out of this? It's a great question. You know, I thought about that because I was just trying to like go back over things before this and it's still an ongoing thing. And I think one thing that I learned is I was always the rebel of my family, like out of their, I have two other siblings and I was always that one who pushed the, the boundaries a little bit. And so I think I always knew something was off, but I was, I called myself the quiet rebel. Everything was very, very, very under wraps. Like a lot of the things that I was rebellious in, like my family still probably has no idea. And there, I think what I learned is being okay with rebel. I don't think being a rebel is a bad thing. As long as you're rebelling from the right thing, like you're trying to get away from the right thing. I don't think it's bad at all. And I Once I learned that and went, no, what you're feeling is valid and you can rebel louder. Like you can just state it and don't have to apologize for it. And you don't have to explain why you can just believe it. And once I started to realize that I felt like it was probably high school, but even high school, I felt like I still felt back on those tendencies, but my voice started to get a little bit louder near the end of high school. I felt. I started to gain a little more confidence because I saw, I ended up seeing a lot more things. High school, you, you learn a lot and you see a lot. Sure. And so I felt like high school was where I started to learn that rebelling isn't an awful thing. Because growing up for me, rebelling was a dirty word. It was like, you don't want to do that. And so I always felt such shame being kind of the rebellious one in my family. And so it was like switching, yeah, switching that in my brain, which isn't easy. It's still not easy for me to do. You know, there's things that you're a sponge as a kid and there's things that you just, it's hard to unlearn. Sure. So that's a constant battle for me. I think for some people, rebellion is kind of synonymous with disobedience. Mm, And particularly if someone is like close to their parents or their family or whatever, you know, they're worried about potentially losing the affections or the favor of, of their parents by kind of charting their own course. Was mm-hmm. that like, was that the case for you? I think so. And a lot of like self-reflection that I've done in the past couple of years has been that my motives are a lot about like success and just in general, I don't necessarily like if I took everything away, money doesn't really 
matter. It's not money or being wealthy or something like that. It's, it's like having people think that I'm successful. And so I think that's where growing up for me, it was difficult because if I rebelled, my specifically my dad would think that I wasn't successful or I wasn't going to be successful. And I think that's where it would pull me back. And once I learned that, no, no, no you are not the end all be all. I have my own opinions and I'm my own adult. I started to turn that around, but I completely agree. And I think that's what I was taught was that rebellion is nine times out of 10 disobedience. And it's just not the case because as I look at it, my, my family a lot of times rebelled too. What they were kind of, they could have been seen in the community as a rebellious group because I, I feel like my family was growing up was seen in like two different lights okay. where they were either seen in the, 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 the perfect Christian family that you wanted to emulate. They were either seen as that or the weird, scary Christians that were kind of cultish that you wanted to run away from. It was those two groups. And as a kid, that was super difficult to like wrap your head around sometimes to where you either had people that thought your family were freaks or they were trying to emulate what you guys were doing. And sometimes that was just like too much pressure. And it was like, I, you just can't don't watch me. Like I just need to kind of be my own person and do what I'm going to do. But then again, I would fall back on that success thing where it was like, I'm not successful unless I do this. It was a, it's, it's a weird thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. In sure. This. And, but yeah. So how did music play a role in all of this? Mm. Like, have you always, like, is your family, well, obviously your family's musical because you're in a band with your siblings, but is that something that was handed down or were you just like, you know, independently? No, it was handed down. A lot of it was, there was a lot of planning. Like I said, my dad was a visionary. He, and still is, there was a lot of planning. He grew up actually in a family band as well with his siblings. Yeah. And they played a lot of top 40 stuff in um, the 80s and 90s. I don't remember when they broke up. But they, they were in a band like from just after high school playing. And they were like releasing their own music and stuff like that. And then stuff happened with just turmoil in the family like it's going to happen. And they ended up breaking up. They all ended up coming back to the same town once, you know, everybody kind of simmered down. And years <laughs> later, and all the cousins grew up in the same area. But yeah, I always felt like it was music was just kind of what you did, which always makes me think I'm super grateful for it because I, I love music, like just hands down. And it, I don't think I would be doing anything else, but I also don't know because there was no other option, really. It was, it was so heavily implied that this is what you're going to do that I don't know if I'd really be that good at anything else because this <laughs> is what I've done. That is always something that I've been very curious about. It's like, is there something else out there that I would like excel in that I'll just never know? <laughs> and so I have been like, I try to do a lot of other hobbies and stuff just to see. But music has always been that thing for me that I just have always done. But it, it has changed a lot in that, like songwriting, because that's really my thing now that I, I love. It was not a, it was not art for me at the beginning. Songwriting was not something that I felt like I was creating art. Songwriting to me was just a necessity. It was that thing that I, I had to do to release all that was trapped in my brain. 
And it wasn't at the end, I didn't sit back and go, Oh, look at that beautiful picture that I painted. It was just like, Oh, get it away from me now. Like, I don't want to touch it, but I had to do it. It was like a once a month thing where I just had to write and get things out. My first song I think was an apology to my parents. I did something and I didn't ever end up actually apologizing. I just sang them a song and then that was it. And we never talked about it again. And so I think that was songwriting for me at the beginning because my personality is very, 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 I think it's naturally very emotional and naturally feels so much. But I was brought up that feelings were not a thing. You didn't feel them. Like they will end up leading you astray. And sure, there are times where feelings can lead you astray. Everything can lead you astray. Sure. But I did not let them in at all, ever. Again, it came back to that success thing. If I did, I was not successful. And it ended up really, really being a detriment to me and continues to. And this is the thing that like I talk on and I always feel like when people talk, they're like, they say, you know, like they have this triumphant story that they've overcome this. And I'm like not there at all. So for anybody listening, I'm still in the thick of this. And I, I hope that that inspires you too, that, you know, you're um, just hearing someone's point of view that's still absolutely in the thick of it. Because that's, um, that's a super good point because yeah. I think people do expect there to be an end to the story. Like mm -hmm. this is what happened and this bad thing happened and this bad thing happened. And then I took over the world. Yep. But exactly. The reality is that I think for most people, if not almost all people, like it's an ongoing, bless you, yep. an ongoing thing. Like you don't emerge triumphant. You learn how to deal with things better progressively as things go along. And sometimes you might drop back a couple of steps and move up a few steps, but it's, it's a, a, an ongoing thing. It's perpetual. It's not like starting line, finish line. I think that's so important for people to hear, man. And like that has been my, my MO lately that you don't have to be through your shit to do successful things. Like you can continue to be inspiring to people and share your story because I grew up in churches where people sharing your testimony, and I think that's where I learned this, sharing your testimony was you had this disease per se, not really disease, whatever you were going through, and you got through it. Now you get to stand up on the podium and share about it. But if you were still in it, you didn't have the authority to speak on it. And I completely disagree with that. And I think it's, it's important for people to speak on it while they're going through it because everybody's going through it and we're all continuing to go through it. So yeah, it's, it's an ongoing thing, but that's really where songwriting was like, it was my release. It, that's all it was. And then it, it changed over time, probably in high school to where it switched and it became art. And I actually learned that I loved songwriting and I felt like it was actually good at it and my words and just the way I said things I think things were so trapped in there like actually speaking wasn't my forte but writing it down and like putting it into art I felt like oh that actually makes way more sense than when I was trying to explain that to someone and I just ran with that and that was my that's a lot of times when I when people I have so many people when like I put out music they come up and go what's that what's that song about like you know who'd you write that song about it's like that's about me you just you just don't know me you just don't know you know half of the stuff that goes on in my head and so that's where I feel super grateful that my job 
is still the thing that is my therapy and and my release and it's also my art it's just this one thing is so many different aspects for me and i feel super blessed that that i get to do that and i get to make money at that because a lot of people can't say that and you know, even though there are hard things about it, I'm super grateful. So it continues to progress and I'm super excited to see where it goes, but that's where I'm at with it now. So right on. So the repression, did, it was that like, a, was that a religion thing or was that a guy thing? Mm. Or I mean, was your, you have a sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. So was your sister subject to the same kind of repression that you were? She like emotional was, repression? No. No, that, that's a good point. She was not. I think it was, it was more of a subconscious thing for her to where like, that was just kind of my dad's MO and sometimes those things were like spilled over on her because she has definitely some of that too. But no, she, it was definitely not like purposeful. And I actually remember there were things where it was guys should not rely on their feelings. You know, women have these feelings and all this stuff. That's just what I was taught growing up. And as I got older, it's like, God, that is so not the truth at all. It's like men feel so much more than women a lot of times. And, but they just aren't going to show it. And it's, yeah. So I think it was a mixture of religion and just being a man. But I also think those kind of go hand in hand where like, a religion thing is that men shouldn't feel it. And I think people just took that and ran. And like my dad was definitely one of those that took, took that and ran. And I honestly think that my dad is one of those same people who should be feeling a lot more than he's actually feeling and like getting things out more. Sure. Because when he does get them out, it's not super healthy and not super great. And so I think he was just continuing that onto us. And so I think it was both because I also think they go hand in hand. Religion, right. man. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, religion is a very sort of patriarchal construct. Like, yeah. You don't see many religions led by women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that's super true, and that's one thing I always saw a hole growing up because, like, it was taught to me that you know a woman a woman shouldn't be up there preaching, and it was like that was always something that just it was a red flag for me. Even even as a twelve year old, it was like this doesn't seem right, but I don't have enough information to know what to say back, but it doesn't seem right. And so, you know, as you start to get older and see those holes and things, you respect where they were coming from and you love them and continue, you know, my big thing is you believe what you believe as long as you're not hurting people. Like if you're hurting people, that's where I draw the line, man. But other than that, I don't care. You can believe whatever you want. Like just be a good person. Sure. And I felt like there was a lot of people in that time that were blurring that line of you're hurting people and they were definitely stepping over it. So super interesting. Super yeah. interesting. Was, was there a moment when, was there like going back to sort of the story arc kind of thing, was there a moment <laughs> when you were just like, okay, screw this. Like I gotta go. Or was it just kind of a gradual sort of difference of opinion kind of thing? Yeah, it was pretty gradual. Like I said, a lot of it was really silent for me in the beginning. But I do think after my mom died was a big turning point where I felt a lot louder about it to where I just wasn't as scared to say if I disagreed with people. 
and I'm not how, sure. How old were you when that happened? I was 18. Okay. 19. God, I don't remember. I was 19. I could be wrong on that. But anyways, it was like just after high school, okay. just after I graduated, that I felt like I went, oh, I need to be a little bit louder. And I don't necessarily know why, what the correlation is between my mom dying and being louder about things. I do think my mom was a filter a lot of times for some of that because my mom was a very, my mom was a hippie. And I, I think my mom is the type of person who would have like traveled the world and done everything. But she met my dad and decided to settle down and just homeschool. And um, I think she always felt a little bit like contained. She always seemed like she could just be this super wild, fun, like go travel the world and have these amazing experiences. And I think I was connected with her a little bit on that. And I don't know if it was once she died, it was like, I just, there was not that filter anymore. There wasn't that, that connection. And I just needed to say whatever I needed to say. I'm not sure. I haven't analyzed that enough to know what, what it was there, what that trigger was. But I do think that was a turning point where I was louder about things. Okay. Yeah. I, I see an awesome sign behind you that says, aren't we all sinners? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And I'm going to ballpark assume, I'm assuming that you see at this point a therapist. I do not. You do not? I do not. Okay. I I, that is one of my weak points. Talking scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> but you're doing it right now. I know. And honestly, this was like a huge decision for me. It was like, it was re like, I had to sit and think for a sec, but I'm in this thing where like, I need to do things that scare me. And I have not, I have not had the courage to do that yet. Tons of people have told me to. And I know, I think the reason I haven't is I don't think I would be ready to receive what they would tell me. And I feel like half of it, again, I haven't been, so maybe I'm just speaking a bunch of shit, but <laughs> I feel like half of it is, if you're not ready to receive what they're going to say, it's not going to do anything. I could be wrong on that, but. I think a lot of people use that as an excuse to not see a therapist. <laughs> I feel like I was in that boat for a long time. Like, uh, I'm afraid of what this is going to mean when mm -hmm. I finally do sit down and start talking to somebody and they're going to start telling me stuff about me that's going to really like blow my mind. But mm -hmm. once I started doing it and I personally got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to do something. So this is, yeah. this better be it. It's not as scary as you build it up to be. Okay. If you like talking to people and you like learning about yourself, I, I think it's really, I mean, I think it's valuable no matter what, but I think it's even more valuable if you're one of those people who has an interest in, you know, sort of learning about yourself, you know, your good points, your bad points, your faults, uh, things you could do better, things you do too much of, and just sort of, you know, being on a course for self-improvement. Um, I, I totally agree. And it's something that I have been fighting to do for a while because I've had many people say yeah you are like a prime candidate to go do this i think everyone I, should do it oh yeah totally yeah. totally i think it's just important and i have done a lot of like just self-reflecting in the past like a couple years where i have gained a whole bunch of interest in like personalities and just learning more about 
what my personality is and what other people's personalities are. So I know better ways to react to them. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I, I need to do it, but I have not done it yet. <laughs> Hope I, you know, if I can be a resource, let me know. You got it. Well, no, it's every push in the right direction, I'm sure will inch me closer and I will I get. There. So, so how did you and your siblings end up on TV? Yeah, that was a crazy ass experience. It, it was, so we, we were like, I'm trying to think right before what we were doing. We had just released, so we've been like together, like as a full on band for like probably 10 years. Like the day we actually like decided we're going to release our own music and do this. We were originally like a very folk group. Okay. Very just acoustic guitar, like three part harmony and all that stuff. And then we... Our, our, we really like turned into like a dance band for a while, started to do a little bit more releasing music. And then we released this EP that I felt like kind of started our sound, you could say, where it was a little bit more pop alternative rock, where it just started to form a little bit more. We released that and socials just continued to grow slowly. And the AGG thing was as simple as someone reached out to us. They saw us on Instagram. They said they saw three siblings who looked like they liked each other on Instagram <laughs> and it was as simple as that and a talent scout reached out to us her name was Destiny and said we'd love to have you guys on what's your story and we went from there and as soon as we told them that our mom had passed they were like oh this is an amazing story it's beautiful blah 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 and you have a song and of course I probably a year before they even called I wrote the song we played Kevin's Not Too Far and I wrote it, put it away. Again, that was definitely one of those moments I felt like I was reverting back to my childhood where it was like I wrote a song and put it away because I didn't want to touch it. By that time, I was like pretty into songwriting. And so then we, I talked to my sister and I was like, well, what song sums up our story? And she was like, yeah, you remember that song you played a long time ago? And I was like, God, I don't want to do that song. <laughs> I was like, that. That's an honest song right there. And, but we both talked about it for a bit and we're like, there's no other song that we can do. Like, that's obviously the one. So it took a little bit of time to be like, all right, we got to do it. And I think the main thing that was holding us back is a lot of times on TV shows and stuff like that, you can be paint, you're painted in a certain light. And we, for sure, I was worried that we were going to be a sob story. And I was like, no. I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to get on there and exploit our story and all this stuff. So we were very adamant about that. And we almost didn't do it a couple times, but we ended up lining up with the right like management team outside of AGT okay. who kind of walked us through the whole process contract wise and everything. And that was a huge safety net for us to where we're not these you know, blind kids going in, you know, all starry eyed, like a big stage, we're going to sign whatever you want. And we had a management team that was just helping us through it. So we ended up doing it and um, it obviously went really well. And it was definitely for my taste, it was a little bit too much of a sob story from what like I would prefer, but I'll probably always think that no matter what, but yeah, that was really the story they saw us on Instagram, man. It was just three siblings who liked each other and they called us. And That's, it just happened to all work out. <laughs> That's the, the funniest thing to me, honestly, is three siblings who like each other because 
you would assume, or I would assume, I feel like most people would assume that in most cases, siblings like each other. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> I also do hear a lot of the opposite too, where like there's a lot of feuds, but I feel like seven out of 10 are probably going to like each other. But I guess it's just the whole fact that we were also musicians and in a band at the time. So, right. yeah, right. but it was a really great experience overall. You know, there's TV is TV and it's all very fake and everybody's ready to come in, you know, and every everything is just very pampered and made to look like, you know, it's all beautiful and going to work out perfect. And thankfully, I think we went in knowing that. And I felt like we came out of it the best we possibly could to where we came out with a huge fan base that really loves what we do, but we didn't have to sign any contracts. We don't owe anything to anybody and we feel super lucky. Honestly, it's, it's our management. Like they, they were guiding us through all of it because we didn't know. We were smart enough to know that we didn't know anything and we needed right. to ask people. And uh, yeah, so it was overall really great experience because we're doing what we're doing now and it's awesome. So, is it weird? A lot of people that have been on TV tend to get there's like this perception, I think, that people know you, that the people who see you on TV know you on a much more intimate level than they think they know you. Mm. Uh, has, has that been a problem for y'all at all? Just with people who are maybe a little too familiar or feels mm. like people are a little too familiar? I think what the problem has been is they they think they're they think they know us in that like that first performance really portrayed us as three siblings who sit around a campfire all night and like play our songs and stuff like that and our dad's there and we're all giving each other hugs and so I think that's what like they think we are and I think that was a lot of like shocking people when like we would go out on tour and it's like no we're super real people who we, we fight and we you know all this stuff and I think that was the difference maybe not so much people knowing me too well it was just having a skewered image of who we were especially me I think all of us but I felt like after that show sometimes when sometimes when when you're on tv and like you know they're telling you to say stuff it's easy to just fall into exactly what they say and as I watch some of it back I go oh god I would love to have said that differently I would have loved to not done that because then that makes you look like this. But again, we were so new at it all. It's like, that was just the beginning of everything. And so it's, yeah, I don't, I don't regret too much, you know, because you, you didn't know. I yeah. feel like you had a better experience than a lot of other people may have had. I think we did. Think we did. That's awesome. So yeah. going back a little bit. So were you homeschooled like straight through high school or did you go to like a public I was homeschooled all the way through, really, like, academically, all the way through high school. Okay. But I, I, middle school is when I took my first band class. And I went in and, because I was taking piano lessons my whole life, and I was supposed to be learning how to read on the piano. And I was just taking the books home and, like, memorizing all the stuff, and then not actually learning how to read the notes. <laughs> and then I finally got caught. And I got in huge trouble because I was told that I just like wasted three years of piano. And so then I got put a trumpet in my hand Ooh. and said, you're going to go sit in a classroom. And I know to a 12 year old, the trumpet is like the least coolest thing on the planet. So I was like 
horrified. And yeah, that's where I started to play in band. And then it grew from there. A really high school, I felt like I was there part-time. I was in four band classes. No, two band classes, I'm sorry. Two choir classes. And then I wrestled. And then some like after school stuff. And so I would be there for like half the day, then go home and do my academics and come back and wrestle and all that. So I was, we, I was very involved in the high school growing up. But, yeah, it seems like you kind of had like a sort of yeah. best of both worlds kind of. It was good. It was good overall. I definitely think I would have suffered not going to a public school at all. Like it would have not been good for me. I think I definitely could have even gone there full time and it would have been good for me in some way. But I, I love that I got that hybrid because I was also able to like focus on things and like homeschooling to where like, you know, my mom was able to notice you're really good at this. Let's like push you in that direction a little bit more. Let's push you in that direction and stuff right. where like if you're in other scenarios, you wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah, I was, was just good. sort of wondering what the peer experience is when mm. you're, you know, not in school on a regular basis. can be um, weird. There was a really, there's actually a fairly big homeschool community in the area here. And a lot of them are exactly what you're picturing in your head. Um, just very, very introverted, very socially awkward. And I think I was, I saw that a lot. And so I was very eager to not be that, be that homeschooler. And a lot of times I wouldn't even tell people I was homeschooled because I was worried that that stigma would like follow me everywhere. But thankfully, like my, my, my group of friends that I was with, we all were kind of doing the same thing to where we were in the public schools and stuff. And so I had a really strong social friend group in high school. And, but a lot of homeschoolers don't get that. Right. And I think it's super sad sometimes. And I think it can be a huge detriment when you get out into society and then all of a sudden you have this wake up where like, oh, not everything is sunshine and rainbows and people are actually really mean sometimes. And I feel like need to be woken up to that a little bit sooner than after high school and so thankfully I got a little bit of that good Quite yeah I, I mean the other thing I was wondering in relation to that is a lot of times depending on the school and depending on I guess where in the country that school is for people that are so into music there's always kind of like you get kind of the side eye sometimes because they're like, oh, you know, why is that guy, you know, so into music and playing instruments? He must be like a sissy or whatever it is. There's, you know, I mean, yeah. there's that perception as well. I think there totally is. I was the really, I was fairly quiet in high school. I was, I feel like I was the, the mysterious kid in high school where like they didn't totally understand me because I wasn't going to like show my cards at all. And so I was, I, was, I was not in the cool crowd. I knew people who were in the cool crowd because sometimes if you're that mysterious kid, they're interested. But I was that weird hybrid where like I hung out with like a lot of the nerdy band kids all the time. And I considered myself like a nerdy band kid. But then I could go over into like the cooler groups, the cooler groups and like socialize with them sometimes. So I got Particularly a lot of if you were an athlete. Say it again? Particularly if you were an athlete. Oh, for sure. That's where I got a lot of it. Well, and the wrestling team was not – the football team was where all the, you know, the really cool people were. Right. <laughs> but we had some crossovers. Like, a lot of the football players would come into the wrestling room. But, yeah, I got a lot of, of the, like, the popular friends out of, like, the wrestling scene and stuff like that. Yeah. Wrestling was cool, though, man. That was, like, a really – that's one thing of, 
from high school that I really do miss. And I'm so glad I went through it because I think it was, it was a really good thing for me mentally to where like, you would think it would be all about stifling your feelings and getting rid of that stuff, but it was really harnessing it. And it was really like learning to go, I know you're dieting and you're running and you're working all this stuff and you're feeling all this stuff, but here's the time to get it out and use it. And here's the time not to, when you just need to suck it up. Right. And so it was such a good thing. Like, I think, yeah, it was especially for me. I loved it. Awesome. So you did AGT and, you know, now you're, you know, part of a, a known band and in, in un-COVID times, you are, you know, sort of going around the world and touring. What is the, what is the thing that you've learned the most about kind of going around the country, going around the world and, and meeting different people and seeing different lifestyles and just sort of, you know, having yourself yeah. open up to this, this great big world? Well, honestly, I think it, it comes back to what I said earlier that everybody everybody's going to believe something different. I think that's what's beautiful is that we shouldn't all believe the same thing and we should all be finding our own ways to think about things. But as long as we all are trying our best to be just good people, then I, I love that. And I think that's really one thing that I, I discovered is like, you can believe something completely opposite than me and we can still be super great friends. Like there's so many people out there there that I've met just in the course of all the stuff that we've done in the past couple of years that I'm sure we have totally different. I know we have totally different views, but we're still, they're like some of my best friends and growing. I feel like growing up for me, that was not totally the case. It was like you, I was in such a small community that needed you to believe the same thing and traveling the world. You realize that's just such a load of bullshit. It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so I love tra traveling is when I feel like the best. I love being out in a different city every day and um, playing shows is like a bonus for me. Like, of course I love playing shows, but I just love being in different cities and uh, because you get to see everybody who believes differently than you. And I think that's so important because I think too many people stay too close to what they know. And I think it's so important to push out and traveling and seeing different cities and seeing different cultures. Um, even if you don't like some of the things you saw, like I think it's so important and not enough people do it. Thankfully, I feel blessed that we get to do it and actually have a job that we're doing. Right. But uh, it's awesome. And more people need to do it. I would recommend everybody leaves this country at some point. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to kind of to hear that comment and then match it up against what's kind of going on right now in the country where I yeah. do think that there are a lot of people who just kind of stay in their silo and they don't get to experience people who are different from them, who think differently from them, who have different life experiences. Yeah. And you can't really empathize with anyone unless yeah. you know people's experiences. Yeah. Too many people are talking out on shit that they don't know anything about. And it's like, ugh, that's the stuff that makes me, very mad sometimes it's like you you shouldn't even that's not your fight to be having like you don't you haven't even left your little circle especially people in like this community because i've been home for so long because right. of all it's like when i see people in this area like saying the things they're saying it's just like god <laughs> 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 your bubble first 
right. and then we, we can kind of talk about this. And so, yeah. Are, are people, I mean, I don't know if you've tried to have conversations with, with, with any of those people, see if you can maybe push a little bit. I have, you know, it's always hard knowing how much to push, but especially in this, I just believe it's, it's now the time to have the uncomfortable conversations with people. And so I have had a handful where just, there are little things, you know, that we disagree on, but normally I feel like I could like pass them up and just be like, yeah, sure. But it's, I've been really trying to like actually be firm and not apologetic for what I'm saying at all. And it's definitely, it rocks boats here, like very badly, especially like being away for so long. You say something and people get over it really quickly. Like it's just, but here, and I'm sure in a lot of other places, I'm speaking like this is the only town that has it. <laughs> There's a lot of city, you know, stuff that yeah. this is all over. But just from my experience, you say stuff here and it's people just sit with it and they can't get over it. And it's like they have to fix you because of they think that you're wrong. And it's like, God, we can we're going to be fine. I promise we're going to be fine. We can just disagree and call it good. <laughs> But yeah, I have been trying to be more honest because I think it's time, man. It's it's really, really time. And um, yeah. I spent a lot of time believing something different, but not necessarily being very vocal about it. And I feel bad about that. And I just want to be, yeah, way, way louder and un unapologetic. And if I'm wrong later, awesome. I will go. be the first to say it. So Nobody's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> so you're married? Is that correct? I am married. Yeah. You're, you're a young fella. I am a very young fella to be married. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I got married when I was 21. Wow. Yeah. What, what is that? I, I, I remember being 21 and I got married when I was 21. That would not have been a good thing at all. But what, what was it that sort of put you in the position where you wanted to get married at a young age? You know, I do think so my wife and I have talked about this a lot I think if we were in a different circle again it goes back to a lot of my upbringing I don't think I think we'd still be together because we love each other very much but I don't think we would have gotten married hands down we got married because there was pressure too because you're supposed to in this circle and everybody else around me was getting married again that was one of those moments where I should have been loud about it but I was I was too, I was a little too quiet at the time, uh, especially for something that bold. And I do think we've, we've talked, this isn't a secret to us. We've talked about it like all the time that I think we would have benefited from continuing to grow outside of marriage together, just like pushing as individuals, because one thing that we found in like, I'm sure you would have found if you got married at 21 and then continue to change, like we both are changing a lot. Like, even just in two years, two and a half, however long it's been, I have changed. We both have changed dramatically, like completely. And that has been a huge tension point at times to where it's like, man, we're such different people now. And, uh, you know, we thankfully do love each other very much and we continue to work through it and like, you know, but yeah, it is a huge thing. Getting married young is definitely not for everybody some people sure it can work if you yeah. i think it can work if you know you're you're willing to well no, i shouldn't even say that i think it can work for everybody but her and i definitely could have used more time to grow as people yeah i um, think if you're if you're gonna make that commitment you need to 
also be able to give each other space to grow as yeah. individuals. Exactly. Um, and that wasn't necessarily preached was, I feel like what was preached was marriage is forever. And like, of course we go, yeah, we know that, but there's a lot of other things that I think should have been as, as someone who is getting married young, the first thing that I would say to them and like, they asked me for advice and I would basically say exactly what you're going to say, get ready for a lot of change. Like they're going to change and you're going to look at them and go, you're, you're not even the same person who I married <laughs> and be ready for that. And so like, I would just say, if you can't handle that, then don't get married. But if you're willing to like change through the times with them, then awesome. You're ready. And I wish someone would have told me that nobody told me that. Like not one person told me that. And I was like, God, that's an important piece of advice. I feel like. <laughs> Trust me, man. I have, I've, you know, I'm twice your age. I mm -hmm. am a much different person at my age now than I was at 21 or 31 or yeah. 41. Um, sure. <laughs> so, you know, but I think if you're willing to grow together and you sort of understand that we are all in varying stages of progression, like we're all works in progress. Yeah. Then, you know, it's a good deal. You yep, know, people, if you really do. love somebody, you will walk the walk with them. Yep. And I yeah. think that's really where the word love is put into action in when people are changing. It's not that butterfly, butterfly feeling you get. It's that willingness to change with people. Right. You know, so it's cool. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Cause I was just like, you know, I was doing a little bit of research and I was like, this guy's a kid, but he's I know. a wife. Like what? Okay. Hands down. <laughs> totally agree. Hands down. We even don't, we sometimes won't even like use the term husband and wife sometimes just cause there's just such a stigma with it. And we feel so young and we feel so like kids. I feel like I'm 15 right now. So sometimes when people say I'm a husband, I go, what the hell I am? I don't feel old enough to do that. Right. I shouldn't be able to do that. You don't um, have like your Argyle socks and, you know, your pipe and. <laughs> I do smoke. I do smoke a cigar occasionally. And okay. I drink it. So that, that makes me, I guess, kind of an adult, but. Right. I feel like you need like a fuzzy robe, like one of those like burgundy colored. Or I think colored. I. Peak dad. Peak dad. Yeah. Uh, want to ask just a couple more questions. Yes. One, I want to ask about the sign behind you, because that sure. just caught my eye this whole time. Please. Yeah. yeah. I did not make it. My wife made it. I That's wish awesome. he's a very, very, very good artist. And I just love it. My, my MO in the, like, the past couple of years has just been that sort of stance on things. And she went away for a little bit and like just did a, created a bunch of different things. And she brought that back. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And she also brought back another one that said, till death we do art. And I was like, I like that. Fucking awesome. I yeah. love that. I so love that. we're like, definitely like, we are married, and but we realize that we're young, and we realize that we are still changing, and we are not closed-minded, and yet we want to be young still, you know, even though we were rushed into things that probably would have been better if things went differently, but we don't want to miss being kids, because we're kids. Like, go. that's the reality of it, so. The tattoo, the, like, yeah. what looks like you have, like, a paragraph on your wrist. I know. <laughs> Yeah, so this one says, I just got this one. I have, how many do I have now? I want a lot more. I will be head to toe covered eventually. But I want to, and I have this one here, and then I have one here. Nice. So nice. this one says, 
be normal now, right now, because you are, because you can be. It's from a book I haven't read, but <laughs> <laughs> I love the phrase. Someone just said the phrase to me who was reading the book. And I was like, it took me that that's a phrase that like, it took me like four times hearing it to like actually have it go. Oh, that makes so much sense. Cause the first time I heard it, it was like, that's just a lot of the same thing over and over again. Then I read it again and I was like, that's so important for people to hear. And so that was like, there was no doubt in my mind. I was like, yeah, that's getting tattooed on my body. I will never regret something like that. Then this one is something that I got, um, or all three of us actually got, I don't know if you can see it. There you go. It says, I trust you. And it has birth date and the date that she died. And uh, it was basically, she, you know, like I said, we grew up super religious and she was full of anxiety and you would never know it though. She was such a, sunflower she was such just this beautiful bright spirit that was always so optimistic but deep down she only shared it a couple times she was very 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 full of anxiety and fears and all this stuff and so this was something that she lived by anytime she felt that she always told me that growing up just saying i trust you i trust you i trust you i trust you so when she passed away all three just got that tattoo that's awesome and then this one is just my i can't even see it but it's just, it's the first, our first tour that we went on, this is the vehicle that we went in. And uh, it was pretty ghetto, but it was I, pretty fun. You know, I, I mean, I think even the like best, there's like a top level of tour buses and then there's everything else. Yeah. And I yep. feel like, it's just, true. yeah. <laughs> it was quite the experience, man, but it was the best two months of my life. Like it was so amazing there were nine people stuffed in this 15 passenger van thankfully we had a trailer and we had stuff to put it in there but still like there's a lot of shit stuffing in there every night so we were all very close very how do close. you go through an experience like that and not want to like hit somebody upside the head with a guitar oh there were moments i did like really bad there were my brother could not get the concept of leaving your shoes on in the van it just didn't register. And every time we would, we wouldn't even turn around. We could just smell it and be like, Nope, back on, oh. back on right now. It was like right now. And he would be like, <laughs> what? You can't even smell it. It's like, I swear we can. <laughs> there was some amazing stories from that tour. And uh, yeah, so this van, I was like, I got to get it. And then this last one was, it's kind of hard to see right now, but it's basically in my mom's handwriting. And it says, heaven seems closer since you moved there. It was a notebook that we found that I found once she had passed. And it was something that she wrote for her mom when she died. So, yeah, those are all my tattoos at the moment. But Pretty awesome. I'm super Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, and those also, like, I have, I don't even, I can't count how many. Yeah. But they're all reasonably small. Huh? Yeah. They're I'm excited all... to get to that point where yeah. I can't count. But, like, the one on your sort of wrist there, like, that had to have taken a long time to do. This guy? Yeah. It was... Oh, no. Well, actually, both sides. Yeah. They were both probably 20 minutes. Really? Something like that. Yeah. It was pretty quick, actually. This one was definitely longer because she had shading to do. Right. So this one may have been closer to a half an hour, but this one was pretty quick. Like You, you have the was speediest stupid. tattoo artist in the world. <laughs> Honestly, she's super talented. Like, I... I yeah. I love her. She's awesome. But yeah, no, this one, I'm almost, maybe I'm going crazy, but I could have sworn it was like 20 minutes. Wow. This one's like probably five to 10. 
It was so fast. Yeah. I love them. I think tattoos are like, yeah, I think it's so cool to find something that you think is so cool that you would want tattooed on your body. body. I just think that's amazing. So I've decided this arm, my right arm is going to be like random shit. And so like, as I travel, I'll get like random stuff. Then this one, I'll probably do like a full sleeve eventually. That's awesome. It's all over time. They're also a lot of money. (laughs) That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. So my usual last question is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Mm. That is such a good question. I would say it probably changes depending on, well, I would say that it's okay not to have an answer for something. Like it's okay to just say, I don't know. I would say that's a very, very, that was given to me by just a person that I really respect. And um, I share a lot of the same views. And they just, I remember saying them saying that you don't have to have an answer for something. Like it's okay to say, I don't know. And I grew up thinking that there was always an answer for something. Everything had an answer. So when someone told me that, it was like, there's a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders. It was like, that's super peaceful to know I don't have to know. So that was good for me. All right. And follow up last question. So with a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that I've interviewed previously who are parents, I've asked them, what do you wish you'd, what do you wish you knew? What do you wish you'd been able to tell your kid as your kid was growing up that you would Mm -hmm. tell them if you were to have a kid now? I'm going to flip that question a little bit. And if you were in a room with 12-year-old Manny, yeah, what would you tell 12-year-old Manny? To be honest, I would tell him to be ready to upset people and leave your hometown as soon as you could. That's what I would have told him, probably. Like, obviously, don't, don't be dumb, you know, but also I think I would have benefited a lot from more world experiences sooner. Something as simple as just moving out with friends and just living with other people. Yeah, and I think be ready to upset people. Like, you're going to disagree with people, and they're not going to like you and you're going to upset them and that's okay. That's what I would have told myself. Can't please everybody. Yep. It's so true. And I spent way too much time trying and <laughs> it's important to know that. So yes, it is. this was super fun, man. It Thank was you a lot so of much. fun. Yeah, of course, Manny. You're, yeah. you're, you know, you've, 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 you're a smart guy. You're a good guy. I think this is, this is going to be good. Appreciate that. You know, Thanks for pushing me out of my comfort zone. This was definitely something that I've never done and I knew I needed to do it. So thank you for, for bearing with me on some of it. You know, it, it, I always think about myself when I was younger and I could have used being pushed out of my comfort zone a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to discuss things that are difficult to discuss because yeah. then it pushes you into a place where after a while everybody else will think it's difficult to discuss, but you'd be like, oh yeah, I'll talk about it. And it, it uh, empowers other people to have difficult conversations. It's so true. It's so true. So thank you for being one of those things that pushed me. Openness and honesty is always appreciated. And 
Manny went out of his comfort zone to do this interview, and I really, really appreciate it because I know it took a lot for him to do this. So big shout out to Manny for opening up and doing this interview. We Three is the name of the band he shares with his brother and sister. You can find them on almost every social media platform at We Three Music. That is the word three, not the number three. So We Three Music, and make sure you support everything that Manny and his siblings are doing. Thanks again, Manny. Thanks so much for listening to the Detoxicity Podcast. I really appreciate it. Feel free to rate, comment, or subscribe, and subscribe, and or whichever. If you have any feedback about Detoxicity, or you'd like to recommend a future guest, or you would like to be on an episode yourself, please reach out to me on Instagram at DetoxPodGuy. I'm also on Twitter at TizMikeJoseph, and I can be reached via email, DetoxPod at gmail.com. Big thanks, as always, to Calvin Williams, who composed the music that you hear at the beginning and ending of the podcast, to Jacob Block for the Detoxicity logo, and to Andrew Grossman and Jeff Giles for inspiring the theme of this podcast. Take care, everybody.